Today on The Intuitor, we talked all about the Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion drama. Are things like defacing Megan Thee Stallion's mom's graves horribly off-brand for the barbs? Or is Nicki Minaj actually here to create a culture like this? Human design can tell us how. We also discussed, hey, what happens when you get married? Does your partner's blocks become your blocks? And then we did this really interesting deep dive into the birth of PR in the United States. Spoiler alert, it started with Freud and ended with Netflix. The sizzle is so real, only on The Intuiter. You've reached The Intuiter, where we use celebrity scandal as a vehicle for deep inner work. Join me, Onami, for all the taboo teachings, spiritual secrets, and celebrity gossip you can't help but love. The sizzle is so real, only on The Intuiter. All right, everybody, going in with five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Intuitor. Special announcement for everybody is that during the month of February, I am giving away my best selling book, Fuckless. You get the first half of it totally for free. Now, the first half is 120 pages, and it's about authenticity, marketing, and human design. So we talk a lot about human design on this podcast. This is the only workshop of mine where we go into it. But the reason I'm so passionate about using human design um, when it comes to marketing and authenticity is that it's very, very practical and we can find out very easily exactly what it sounds like for you to have authentic content and exactly what authentic content feels like for you and the pace at which it moves. We're able to look into, because authenticity, it's not, you know, people are like, authenticity is just be who you are on the inside. And that actually doesn't work because when you're inauthentic, you're telling the world one thing about yourself and inside it's the complete opposite. Now these two are creating a swing. So like the more you tell the world you're confident, if that's not really the truth of who you are on the inside, it's going to be swinging and telling you on the inside that you're such a failure. So you can't be who you are on the inside because who you are is not such a failure. Who you are is not super insecure, but who you are is not super confident either. So it's it's bringing yourself into integrity. And integros means the same on the inside as, as on the outside. But because we have things like social media nowadays, it's easier than ever to show a side of yourself to the internet that you think they want to see and then try and hide who the real you is more and more. Like I think a lot of us are noticing now like the disconnect between people's online personas and who they are in real life. And and when it's all performances are temporary. So if you are maintaining something that is not authentic to you, not only are you blocking your bag, you're blocking your ability to earn, but you're also blocking your ability to earn easily. You really don't realize how heavy it is to be fake until you feel what it's like to just be yourself. And I love showing people how to do this because it's really not that hard. And I taught this workshop because there was a lot of people who I thought were really authentic, but they didn't know how they were doing it. 
you know, they're like, oh, just be yourself. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't know who myself is. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do this. I'm super insecure. I don't know how to become confident. I don't know how to be myself. And when I started looking into like the very, there's very, very few people who teach about authenticity, but in my experience, the ones that, that I, in my experience, I just literally can't think of any people that are teaching authenticity. I've watched some videos about it, but they're, they're pretty vague. It's like, here's how to be authentic like me, or here's, you know, 120 different ways to be authentic. And I was like, it's the same thing that I bring to all of my workshops is like, can we just simplify this? There's like a million ways to do sex magic and like a million ways to do sex magic wrong. There's a million ways to start a business. There's a million ways to market. Like, can't we just find what all of these things are agreeing on? There's a million religions that all say like their God is the God, like what's everyone agreeing on? And so that's um, how we develop this step-by-step -step path to authenticity. And it all begins with this free book that I'm, that I'm so happy to bring to you. I actually just got my copy in the mail. Uh, if you got this book in the past, you can totally use it again. But in the free ebook, there is a new edition. Page 93 specifically has a cool new segment about the profile lines in human design. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. But for the whole month of February, we're going to be here on the Intuitor at 1 p.m. So you guys can expect to see me here. And we will be having a special space to answer all of your questions that come up during fuckless. So I'm here to answer all of your questions about fame. I'm here to answer all of your questions about authenticity. I'm here to attempt to answer some of your questions about human design. I'm probably going to tell you to go and look it up. <laughs> but uh, if you want to be able to submit questions, all you need is the free version of my app. You can get this. I'll, I'll make it the link in my bio. Um, but if you go to Safe House Global at the app store, then we'll be able to talk about it there. But because it's the 1st of February. I want to hear from you guys in the comments right here, right now. What is the tea? What do you guys want to talk about today? And while we do this, the tea that's been around for me is what is going on with Nicki Minaj? What is going on with Megan the Stallion? And what is going on with Nicki Minaj? So if you are totally new to this beef, sip of coffee here. Mm. My husband makes me the best coffee. So good. So Megan the Stallion released this new track called Hiss. And in it, she said, these hoes aren't afraid of Megan. They're afraid of Megan's law. Now, Megan's law is a law that sex offenders have to register in whatever county. Now, Nicki Minaj, the, some people say that that was a, that that was a diss at Drake. Now, Drake and Future, I believe, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Drake and Future did a song while the Megan the Stallion and Tory Lanez drama was going on. And the Megan the Stallion Tory Lanez drama did not end well for Tory Lanez. If we need to backtrack a little bit more, basically there was a really big party at Kylie Jenner's house. Everyone was fucked up. Tory Lanez was there and at the time was like somewhat dating Megan the Stallion. Now, Megan the Stallion alleges that after, you know, they were asked to leave the party and as they were waiting outside, Tori shot at her foot and said, dance, bitch, dance. She took him to jail. And I believe, I'm, I gotta look this up, but I'm pretty sure that he got 20 years for that. Now, let's see. Tori Lane's sentence. I'm pretty sure he got 20 years for it. And something that was really, oh, just 10 years. Okay. So that's 
not as long as I thought it was going to be. But Tory Lanez didn't represent himself in court at all. He didn't even speak in front of the court, which I thought was kind of weird. He had some other charges and stuff sticking around, but basically the rap community was really divided over this situation. Even Tory Lane's dad went and spoke to the news and was like, this, you know, has something to do with Jay-Z, the whole world, you know, conspiracy theorists going crazy. And I love a good conspiracy. I always look into the conspiracy side of things, but basically a lot of people were like, this is Megan the Stallion doing the ultimate sellout, some kind of conspiracy to put Tory behind bars. But she was, it was a, it was a really complicated case, a lot of changing testimonies, really strange that Tory Lanez didn't speak in front of the jury, but the rap community was super divided over it. So Tory and I'm sorry, so Future and Drake put out a song like while the while the court case was that large, basically saying that Megan Thee Stallion was a liar. And, you know, half of Beyonce brought Megan the Stallion out, called her out during the Renaissance tour. She was, you know, in a good way, you know, definitely taking sides with Megan there. And just to put everything in perspective, like I think I, I think Nicki Minaj is such a so talented. And I think that um, Megan the Stallion is so talented. And I think that Azalea Banks is my favorite female rapper of all times by a long shot. So I know that she didn't place in the in this particular episode, but I'm sure I'll talk about her later. I love Azalea Banks and she's one of the case studies in the fuckless in the fuckless books. I've been a fan of Azalea Banks for since 212. So she fucking OG and I love her. <laughs> we talk about is she on brand, you know, when she's like being unhinged online, is that on brand or not? And we'll get to look a, a little bit into Nicki Minaj's design here. I didn't pull, pull up Megan the Stallions because uh, you know, how she's behaving is a lot more textbook, but we can do that later. But I, I do have Nicki Minaj's chart up here and we can look into, you know, like how her behavior is going right now. But anyways, so Megan Thee Stallion released a song just recently called Hiss and in it she said, you know, they're not afraid of Megan, they're afraid of Megan's law. Now, some people said that this was a diss towards Drake, but Nicki Minaj definitely took this one personally. Now, Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion have collaborated in the past, but, you know, the peace doesn't last long with Nicki. Um, peace doesn't last long at all. Now... The reason why Nicki Minaj took it so poorly is because they moved to Hidden Hills in California. So she married this guy whose name is like Ken Petty. And Ken Petty was convicted. He did 10 years in prison for raping somebody at knife point, a 16-year-old. And also her brother has some sex offender charges at all as well in, re in relation to pedophilia. So when Nicki Minaj first moved to Hidden Hills, and this is so interesting because it's like one, it's psychological blocks are super obvious. And when you're in partnership, you're, you're not just responsible for your own, you're always just responsible for your own, but you also have to take into account your partners as well. So like, for example, when my husband and I first met, I was very about spiritual wealth, but my husband had, was, you know, on the red road and was doing, was working a, a different lineage where there was a lot of like contempt for money, um, you know, ceremony was paid for in like tobacco straight up. So, you know, anybody, everybody knows, you know, and this is no shade. This isn't meant to shade anybody, but you know, it's like, you can't, you can't pay your bills in tobacco. I know it's, I know it was once sacred, but you can't pay your bills in tobacco, but there was like a lot of contempt and a lot of uh, story going on about like what happens to people that charge for their work. So, you know, here I am working this one angle of things and then, and my husband is kind of vehemently opposed to that while still loving me and supporting me. But, and, you know, people always say this, I actually had a call with a, 
with someone a long, a long time ago for a Bruja report about how ir irritated we get, you know, hearing somebody talk trash about a demographic of people. And you say, well, you know, I'm in that demographic. They go, oh, well, you're different. They're like, oh, I just hate these New Yorkers that moved to Austin and like change the whole place up. I'm like, well, I'm a New Yorker that moved to Austin. Like, yeah, but you're different. I just hate people that do this, activists that do this. Yeah, but you're different. And it's like, don't fucking diss a group that I'm, I don't want to be the fucking exception, you know, like change, like change your mind, change your mind. Don't share these fucking beliefs with me. You know, like I'm not that I'm not, I, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear that. And so that was kind of the situation that I was in with my husband is, you know, like, he's like, yeah, but you're different, but how you do it is different. It's like, this belief is going to be pretty substantially blocking us. And my coach actually wrote an email pretty recently about like entrepreneur divorce statistics, which I thought was really interesting because he was talking about the way that as you become more successful, your spiritual level has to rise to meet it. And if not, it really causes a lot of problems because all success is a mindset game and, and having a positive mindset, like you can't, it, it, I, there's not a book anywhere that says, this is what positive is. And this is what negative is, or this is what right is. And this is what wrong is, you know, when it comes to real magic, I know the Bible is a book that says that this is what's right and wrong, but we're talking about about esoteric secrets here. We're talking about the stuff that isn't like readily available to the public. And um, and so it's really just based on the individual is like, does it feel good for you to do this, Nicki Minaj? Does it feel good to be on this reign of terror right now? Or does it feel bad? And sometimes it's confusing because when I was, um, I learned the hard way with setting Black Magic Active, it wasn't intentional but it certainly became the theme of about eight months of my life, which were very public and went very poorly where I was really, it, it, it wasn't my fault. It's not that I said, oh, I'm going to make black magic active. What I did was I moved. I, I was like, I need to see, it was doing testing for erotic wealth and the erotic represented the red magic. And so I was like, okay, let me see if I can make, if, if I let this rule my life, because I have to see if this math works. There was no other way of figuring it out. But unfortunately, moving the position of one of these magics, you can learn more about black, white, and red magic on the front page of my site. Or if you're in my school, we, we go pretty deeply into this concept in, uh, in the book, The Complete Guide to Sexual Magic, which you guys can get for free on my app. We also talk about it in the early episodes of the Enneagram, where that's probably where we do the longest lecture on it in the Enneagram. There's a masterclass on black, white, and red magic. And then in lesson one, we also talk about it as well. And someone reached out to me recently being, you know, People always reach out anytime they hear me say black magic, they always reach out, ask me to hex people. I don't play those fucking games. You guys like the strongest magic at all is not changing anything. Like, yeah, I know how to do all of that. Of course, of course, I have years of experience with these three different types of magic, but the real get down is surrender and not for any amount of money. Could you get me to go to a lower level and pull out these fucking wands and start doing this like low grade magic again. Like, hell no, hell no, hell no. I learned my lesson with that shit. But when I was actively doing black magic, I cared a lot about propaganda. I cared a lot. Basically the motivating factors of my life were like power and control. And I really got off on being able to flex this power and make other people afraid of me. And that's definitely what's going on with Nicki Minaj right now. We'll, we'll return to her story for sure. But I was, when I look back and I, and I just couldn't see it clearly back then. 
I just couldn't see. I now I can, you know, hindsight's always 2020. It's like, wow, my intention behind each and everything of my life. And you know what? I'm sorry, it wasn't that black magic was active, it was that black magic was was neutralizing for me. So I was always returning always returning to black magic. How can I get more power? How can I get more control? How can I get more? What do I need to do? Who do I need to manipulate? And, uh, and it, and it feels good, but it's very temporary. It's not the best. It's not the best setup. It's not the best setup to have things. And I was constantly moving stuff around during that time, but black magic should only be in the passive position. And if you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Black, white, and red magic. What the fuck are you talking about? Active, passive, and neutralizing position. This is not like required learning, but if you've been wanting to, you know, if you've been interested in magic for a long time and exploring some of these different lineages, you know, like Solomonic magic or tantric magic or runes or herbalism or like any of these things, it can be really helpful to, to think about magic in very simple terms, which is like there's black magic, which is use the use of, of fear control there's white magic which is the use of like faith and will and there's red magic which is the use of sacrifice and surrender and you need all three to make something work and and in the book the complete guide to sexual magic and in the book on the Enneagram, we really go into some examples in history about times when these things have been used in an imbalanced way and I, and I share from my history as well uh, but it, it, that's the thing is that like, sometimes, you know, if I say Nicki Minaj, does it feel good to be manipulating people to this degree is she would probably be like, yeah, like it does feel good. It does feel good in the moment. But when you have this adverse reaction to it, when it, ugh, it's very, it's very embarrassing. It's very humbling. Um, so that's why I wanted to look at Nicki Minaj's chart though, because we can just look at it objectively and be like, you know, is what she's doing, is this on brand for her? You know, is she here to be the chaos? Because when you know it's on brand for you and what's not on brand for you, and it's just objective, it doesn't really care how you feel about it. It's something that's unique to you. That's different than everybody else. You know, it's like, listen, bitch, like this is what's on brand for you. And this is what's not on brand. So put aside your preferences and just like follow your fucking recipe. Otherwise things are going to get hard and things are going to be really embarrassing. So I like, I, I really liked the way that Megan the Stallion has responded to this whole thing. And I'm not, when it came to like the Megan and the Tory Lanez thing, I'm never on anybody's side. Like I'm never on anybody's side. I'm always just observing. It's like, wow, they really are in a conflict. There's a lot of different interesting factors at play. Oh, but re regarding Nicki Minaj, I think it's really interesting how these psychological blocks can come with you because here's Nicki Minaj at the top of her game, gets in a relationship with is her first marriage. You know, it's not like she's been through a bunch of different people. She's kind of a serial monogamous, hasn't really written, you know, and she's very serious about her game. Beyonce was a super big fan. Like I've heard Beyonce talk nicer about Nicki Minaj and more respect about Nicki Minaj than literally any other female artist of all time. Like like Beyonce said about Nicki Minaj um, with her poor, she had a wardrobe malfunction during her performance at the VMAs and just like got through it perfectly without breaking face. And you wouldn't even know that something was happening. And Beyonce was like, that's when I really respected her as an artist, like seeing her get through that. I knew exactly what was going on. And Beyonce doesn't really talk, you know, she used to, doesn't anymore. Beyonce seems pretty bummed out if you ask me, but also, you know, who am I? She's obviously, she's obviously thriving. We'll talk about Beyonce some other time. Um, but I'm never on, I'm never like on anybody's side. I'm just looking at, at both sides of the equation, um, from a different perspective. Anyways, 
And and from that different perspective, it's very fucking weird that Tory Lanez didn't didn't take the stand at all during that court case. Like, I don't, you know, Beyonce doesn't talk. What do they not want her to say? But like, if you are not even defending yourself or answering what I, you got to be some, I have no fucking idea why he decided to not speak even one time during that whole court case. That's really fucking weird. That's really fucking weird. But it's obviously to the, the lawyer and him felt like this would be the best idea. He brought his kid with him a ton to court to be like, look, I'm a dad, but like, you got to be able to represent yourself. You have to be able to speak up on your own behalf. Like that's a pretty crazy sabotage. It was a really weird court case, but not contributing your voice to it. Like you have to raise your fucking voice. It's your fucking freedom on the, on the line, you know, and not everybody has a fame uh, arc the same way that Gucci Mane did where it's like Gucci Mane, you know, made a million dollars while he was in jail. And also he gave money to Capricorn queen, Keisha Kaor, his wife, and uh, and she started a whole ass company, turned that, I think he gave her three million. She turned that into six really fast. And she fucking hustles, dude. Like, I love, I love her. Capricorn queen. Um, their wedding photos, I still think I was like, I love the Gucci Mane and Keisha Kaor wedding photos. So it was just like new money, but in the, in the best possible way. Like if I recently got, you know, if, if money had not been in my family whatsoever, and then I got a fucking shit ton of it, like I would do things that exact same way. And that's totally, I spent money like a fucking maniac when I forgot about like all of my friends, shit, all my family fucking vacations and stuff like shit. It was so fun. Dolly Parton said the same thing. Like, that's just what you, that's just what you do. <laughs> New money is not something, you know, of course you want to learn how to be able to handle more of it, but I can spend some fucking money, you guys, while still living really simply. I'll buy everyone everything. I don't give a fuck. I was even buying everybody that was paying me on Brewer Report. I was buying shit for people left, right, and center. Um, but Nicki Minaj, top of her game, marries this guy and moves out to Hidden Hills. And the fucking neighborhood protested asking them not to move in. Like, imagine you're like, all right. This is a big deal for me. I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to start new, get us a nice fucking house. We're going to stay here. And then public shame and embarrassment of everybody saying that like, you can't be here because the love of your life is not a registered sex offender. He's on fucking house arrest right now because he was on it. He got four months on house arrest because he was on Instagram live fucking threatening offset now, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj have beef from way back from when she threw the, and that was also really weird. And Nicki Minaj held herself so, like Nicki Minaj with the Cardi beef drama held herself the way that Megan Thee Stallion is carrying herself now. But in this situation between Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj is straight up being the Cardi in the situation. And Cardi B got disinvited to Rihanna's Diamond Ball because it's like, look, you can't bring the fucking like we're we're showing a new face like you're not allowed to bring anything that makes us look like what that makes the black community look like we're a bunch of loose cannon like brawling idiots like hell no. 
we're fucking respectable. We're smart. We're representing ourselves super well. Like don't bring this energy to the diamond ball because we have a lot of people with a lot of money in this room and we need to show a different face. Rihanna took absolutely was like, Cardi B, you're fucking out of here. And I think that Cardi B was able to go to another one, but that year it was an absolute no-go, an absolute no-go for her. Um, and Rihanna said something about it, but Rihanna's very private, but I forget where it came out like right after, right after it happened. Um, but anyway, so, you know, Megan and Megan the Stallion's first response when this whole thing went down because, uh, Nicki Minaj was going crazy. Nicki Minaj was like, what? And had like a full 48 hours where she was just going absolutely fucking berserk on social media. Like, I mean, this woman did not put her fucking phone down for 48 hours, like was on all of these random accounts, celebrity blind accounts, commenting just crazy shit, tweeting all over the place. And then she drops this diss track. Now, Megan Thee Stallion only said one thing. She said a hit dog howls. Like, because everyone's like, is this song about Nicki Minaj? And she goes, a hit dog howls. And it's totally true. Drake wasn't freaking out saying she fucking Nicki Minaj threw herself under the bus in such a big way by causing such a big stink because she's saying this is about me and no one else would have even known like nobody else would have taken that but Nicki Minaj made such a big stink Drake didn't say shit about it you know so it was like and Megan Thee Stallion really called it out but Nicki Minaj on top of all it was on Instagram live fucking ranting put up this video of her oh man getting so dark but video of one of her fans was like hey we found where megan the stallion's mom's grave is and she puts up a bit of fucking this is this is when you've got black magic in the wrong position when it's either active when this is, so when i was like hmm, did i make black magic active or neutralizing active is why you're doing everything is why you're doing everything. If it's neutralizing, it's what things are always coming back to. So for me, I was always coming back to red magic, which was my desire. That was supposed to be what I was laying down. But what was active, why I was doing everything. Okay, good. I'm glad I got this right because I got a little confused back there for a second. And confusion is what got me into all that trouble in the first place. But the reason why I was doing everything was because I wanted power and was because I wanted control. And Nicki Minaj very much seems to be having this right now because stupid things seem like really great ideas when your whole mission is to make people afraid of you, is to make people afraid of you. It's super different. Like, all of us have this piece, but we're meant to put it passive, which means it's not something that we're consciously working on. People will naturally be afraid of you if you stay calm. People will naturally be afraid of you if you're like, think about in the movie Secretary, like anytime the Dom is about to deliver a punishment to Maggie Gyllenhaal, he doesn't come in and start screaming and yelling. He gets extremely quiet. Will you come in here to the office for a second, please? And like my kids know, like if it's serious, if it's serious, I'm going to be very, very quiet about it. Get in the room now. Like, get in the, we thought we had a chimney fire the other day. And I was actually very impressed with my kids because I like very, I was like, I got to use this voice more often. Super quietly, get in the room and do not come out. And they were just like, Phew. I was like, wow, that's good to know. That's good to know. The next time I feel like yelling, because sometimes I do definitely feel like yelling, but 
leaders don't need to yell, but while I'm learning how to be a leader, I would definitely say that I've done some yelling. Oh, my kids are just so crazy sometimes. All kids are crazy sometimes, but I haven't yelled in a while, but I definitely have yelled in the past. That's for fucking sure. Sometimes I get very emotional too. And I'm usually meant to go and put myself on timeout or something so that I don't get emotional. Like when my kids have been at each other's throats all day or my daughter's like restarting emotionally every five minutes, I just genuinely don't feel like my kids love me. I swear to God. I don't think it's, I don't think my kids love me at all. I think sometimes they do when they want something. <laughs> I swear. And the reason why I say this is because when I'm like sick or, and it doesn't happen often, but when I'm sick, I really want to be left the fuck alone. My entire fucking life revolves around these people. And when I'm sick or I want to stay in bed and I'm like, please, you guys, I feel so bad. Just let me lay in bed. They like straight up don't, they don't give a fuck. Like seriously, won't even give me like five fucking minutes of peace if I'm sick. I'm like, Jesus, you guys, like children are inherently narcissistic. Like that's just the the age and the stage. Um, Ken Wilber talks a lot about this in his book, uh, Theory of Everything. But you just can't really comprehend other people's needs besides your own. It's a very egocentric. It's a very like me, me, me uh, version of life. And he talks a lot. He taught uh, Ken Wilber describes something called boomeritis, which is like basically the first time that me, me, me philosophy was carried all the way into adulthood. And I'm not ragging on boomers. It's just that boomers were born at a time where there was an increase of it, it was it was consumerism. It was capitalism. It was all, you know, all things that I like actually all things that I recognize have a purpose I wouldn't say that I like them but um but it, they were really born in this era that's like look if you buy the right products you'll be able to express your individuality so let's release even more products let's release a lot of different um the hippie movement and all this stuff it was like all of these different ways that you could correctly identify yourself by choosing the right products or dressing a certain way and even though all of that was like kind of disguised of like you could be a part of this group of people yet still be very individual the byproduct of something like that was just living an extended like me 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 type of life which is why so many boomers have a really hard time hearing that they've done something wrong, especially when it comes to parenting or something like that, because it's very hard for them to sit with the feeling that doesn't satisfy or a feeling that would make them very, very uncomfortable. It's really hard for them because they've been taught that they could just kind of, they were the first generation to be taught that they could kind of move themselves into a place where they would be perfectly understood because they perfectly managed to express themselves and their individuality. And it was never individuality it was really just marketing happiness a really good documentary on this if you find any of this stuff interesting is this bbc documentary called the century of the self and the century of the self is about how propaganda began in america and it began um, by this man named edward Bern edward bernays who was the nephew of sigmund freud and had basically taken in all of this like freud was a cokehead and jung was you know as close to a psychonaut as somebody back then would be um, but Coke logic is very like, rah, 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 and it gets quite controlling and it gets quite linear. And so all of, you know, the, the Freud bloodline, so to speak, to use like a trigger word for my conspiracy lovers, but the Freud, the Freud bloodline really went into a lot of politicians and a lot of different, it, it's all over the, it, it's all over the place, but it's an interesting kind of bloodline to track. 
but Freud's nephew, Edward Bernays, started the concept of public relations in public relations and propaganda in America. Like he basically bottled up and sold the American dream. And it's really fascinating to see how, you know, using the symbols, the unconscious symbols that, you know, Freud popularized. And people love to rag on Freud, but we wouldn't be able to talk about psychology if it wasn't for him. The, you know, just about all the modern psychologists that we learn and hear from now were protégés of Freud. He really, he really changed the game as far as psychology goes. Um, but all of like, for example, selling cigarettes to women, a cigarette is a symbol of the phallus, a dick basically giving women male powers and leading to the suffragette movement. So it's really, really interesting documentary. All of these, let me tell you a, a snippet of this, which and we'll get back to, to Nikki and, and Megan. Um, but during, after World War II, America was in a really deep, funk um they just couldn't it was just nobody was buying anything that they didn't need and the main marketing angles for all of the different stuff all of the different products were all about durability buy this thing so you never need to buy anything again and you see a lot of people trying to do this in marketing right now this is the last outfit you'll ever need you know trying to making an impossible promise while also shaming people for wanting more even though wanting more is natural but actually this type of this actually the same philosophy of durability and don't get more than you need don't get anything that you want this was actually what completely tanked the Brazilian economy as well and why the G7 had to get together and create the credit card. The credit card was first debuted in, in Brazil to be like, we need to teach. Brazil had literally switched to the bartering system. They had literally, like they had regressed to the bartering system, which was, you know, it might seem nice in like micro communities, but cre it, it does create chaos on a mass scale. It's like very difficult. Um, so the credit card was invented to save Brazil's economy. And to this day, you know, if you go to a Brazilian supermarket or you go to a Brazilian department store or whatever, they have payment plans for everything. You can get, it's a starting to seep into America, but they had fucking Klarna and Afterpay a long, long time ago where basically you are renting everything because you're buying literally everything on, on credit. Um, but America was just in this super big slump where people only wanted to buy things out of need, you know, people buying one pair of jeans every seven years. And so they were like, we need to bring pleasure back into the household. You know, we need to bring joy back to the, we, and, and what is the symbol of a bountiful, you know, more than you need desire. And they decided that the symbol of this was a cake. Because so many people were just trying to get food on the table, but a cake really symbolized like extra. And so they were like, let's develop. So a, a boxed cake mix was, was not invented by Betty Crocker. A boxed cake mix was not invented by Duncan Hines. A boxed cake mix was invented to rebirth the American dream. Let's have a cake on every table. And so what they did was they started, you know, making this box cake mix that was very, very inexpensive and people could just add water. But nobody, if you think this is, wait until you hear this part. So they, all these box cake mix where you could just add water and they were like, great, now we'll have a cake on every single table, but people were not buying it and they couldn't figure it out. So they called in Edward Bernays. You can always hear these lives on, this is my podcast, The Intuitor, so you can get it 
all the time, whenever, but it's always on here as well. They called in Edward Bernays and they're like, why is, you know, why are these cakes not selling? And he was like, oh, this is absolutely a no brainer. And he figured it out super fast. It's because the woman did not feel useful. She didn't feel like she was cooking or actually doing anything when she's just mixing water and powder. It felt like fifth element, you know, chicken, good, you know, like just poof, poof, you know, make this happen. And the woman didn't feel useful. So they altered they actually didn't alter the, the recipe. They just altered the instructions to include an egg. Now, an egg is a symbol of fertility. An egg is a symbol of womanhood. And by cracking an egg and adding it, then they felt like they were cooking. Then they felt like we were, they were cooking. Now, if you think about how much space in the supermarket that baked that pre-mixed cakes take up to this day you tell me if you think it worked or not you tell me if it think it worked or not isn't it cool so that that whole I learned all of that in the documentary the century of the self which is really 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 interesting and then you know this book could definitely be weaponized but if you're very interested in propaganda if you're interested in how cults start if you're interested in how politicians become politicians or what role propaganda plays in your everyday life the book the true believer it's considered a must read in advertising but it's a hundred percent about like how propaganda works very very interesting very very interesting book i grew up in a cult and i spent the, most of my life trying to figure out why what caused my perfectly sane you know my parents weren't traumatized they were you know they it's not like they came from super abusive homes and it seemed like the best opportunity my mom was super beautiful homecoming queen did booking for the beach boys you know I couldn't figure out how my mom ended up joining a cult I just didn't understand especially such a nasty cult uh but you know, that that book actually really taught me a lot. And actually, it wasn't until I was willing to listen to my mom's side of the things, because I was like, how could you join a pedophile doomsday cult? She didn't join a pedophile doomsday cult. She joined a, a segregated, no, uh, men and women not mixed together. She Is that what segregated it? If, if it's not co-ed or is segregated just a race thing? Tell me guys here, what does it mean when something is not men, it, when the men and the women have to be separate? She joined like a Bible camp and that Bible camp turned into a cult, which is another story that we'll talk about for for another day but speaking of that same bloodline um the nephew uh the nephew of edward bernays is mark bernays who started netflix now netflix disrupted the video industry it started with you know how it started versus how it's going you know amazon started as a place to buy books online netflix started as a way of having dvds mailed to you um, so that you wouldn't have to go all the way to the store. I remember when it first came out, it was just like crazy. You know, it's like, people are going to steal these, you know, you are going to steal these DVDs. Uh, that came, they came in like the little paper things, but you know, now Netflix is really its own media company. Netflix is something like $15 billion in debt as well. And like, it's so funny because you'll feel like a, a failure for having like $20,000 worth of student loan debt. Meanwhile, Netflix is like, you know, 15 billion, let's keep it rolling. They don't see that as, as being a failure. But for a while, I couldn't really tell, like, I was like, well, what's the agenda behind Netflix? You know, why is Netflix a lot is, is what political side does Netflix fall on? I couldn't. And then I realized that that Netflix's main agenda is just to be able to sway 
in general, you know, to just be able to, to sway people's opinions doesn't really matter which way it has to go. But that's really just it with any media company is to be able to manipulate people. You know, this is the next flash documentary. Let's all get mad at this. Let's all start this and, and to be able to influence people. And, and that's still very true to, you know, his ancestor, Edward Bernays, the father of PR, and then still very true to Freud, which you know, although he was really at, you know, he, he contributed so much to, to psychology, like we just wouldn't have it without him. Um, I'm really grateful that there were people like Jung that, that did believe that we weren't that, that humans weren't just cattle, you know, like there's, there's definitely the spiritual argument can be made that a lot of people choose to be livestock in the economic wheel. There's so, and you and I both know so many people like this and understanding that not everybody's here to wake up. Um, could really change your life. It could make things a lot easier for you. But a lot of people don't want to accept this. They're like, we all have equal opportunity. And it's like, yes, we do. But so many people decline. Think of how many people you know that like don't want to know about spirituality. They don't want to know about the meaning of life. They don't care about energy. They don't want to interrupt their patterns. They're like, just let me keep going to work and live my job, like, and live my life or live my job. And, you know, a lot of people reject their fair share of consciousness. And it's a super unpopular truth, but the truth isn't an opinion is that consciousness is not everybody was allotted a little bit of consciousness, but if they reject their share, someone else can, someone else can take it. So for example, if mystery schools had as many students as public high schools have, we would start to see it have an adverse effect. It would become diluted. There would be too many. It wouldn't be able to retain any form of purity. So like to bring it into the magical realm, like Ifa is such strong magic. But women were not even allowed to practice Ifa until very, very recently. Like there was the little, there was like the little caveat with, uh, with Olokun and Yemanja, like, like where Yemanja kind of stole the magic from Olokun that I'm, I'm not going to speak too much about Ifa right now because I, I, I could really, I could really go into it. The Orishas are so, so fascinating. But Yemanja has two sides, a masculine side and a feminine side. And the masculine side is Olokun. And Olokun represented the Babalaos that were the only ones that were allowed to read the Opele. They were the only ones allowed to do divination. So women weren't allowed to do it. And even though it's, it, it's very hard for people on the outside to see things like Orthodox Judaism or, you know, women not being allowed to practice Ifa, it makes people really angry. But the truth is, is that when there's a lot of restrictions around something and the circle is kept really small, like uh, a degree of purity is retained, that that doesn't happen when something is all mixed up. Another example of this would be the difference between um, Ashtanga yoga, like the classic original yoga made for 15 year old boys versus, you know, fusion power yoga with weights. Like, yes, there's space for fusion power yoga with weights but if you've ever if you've ever been to a, an ashtanga yoga shala you've ever practiced ashtanga it's like it's a very different experience and it's very very uh interesting as well and the jews have such strong magic as well because like in you know i lived in an orthodox jewish community in Bedsty, you know, I wasn't in it. I didn't have the bars on my windows, but a lot of people, you know, Netflix made that that documentary on unorthodox, and all these people got super like bent out of shape 
that, you know, we could have these Orthodox Jewish communities existing right in the middle of our communities. And, and the ones that I, that I lived in was actually like the most dogmatic and the strictest of all of the different Hasidim, but there was so much beauty in the practice and so much beauty in the traditions. And when you, there's a lot of TikTokers that show what it's like to be like an Orthodox Jewish wife. There's a lot of beauty in it, but when they have been keeping these same yeah, a lot of um, they've been keeping these same practices from the very, very beginning, the Sabbath, these traditions, these same prayers. They say the Torah is super interesting because the Torah, um, you know, uh, uh, people don't really question like the Ten Commandments. You know, it's like, OK, so Moses got these 10 laws from God and then smash them because he was angry and said, can I have another round? <laughs> can I get seconds? And um, what, what is said is that the Torah, the Torah was the original 10 commandments and the rules were like so strict that when Moses saw that everybody was just like going crazy, you know, without the order of the commandments, things were just descending into chaos and, and Moses, you know, this is all like a symbolic tale, but Moses was like, okay, let's go out of the order of Egypt because we can all acknowledge that that was like not serving us, you know, we were living in, in slavery. Um, but we do need some order because every day I'm having to answer the same question of like, no, you can't steal his cow. No, and and no, you're not an exception to that. Okay, no stealing cows. New rule, no stealing cows. No one's allowed to steal anyone's cows. Like the end. That's why the Ten Commandments were necessary. But he went up, you know, symbolically got the Ten Commandments from God, came down and was like, these people aren't going to be able to handle this. There's so many rules on here. There's so many thou shalt nots on here. These people can't even stop like having orgies and worshiping like an idols for long enough to be able. They need, you know, they need some rules that they can actually stick to. Um, but some people say that the original Ten Commandments was the Torah. And it's so interesting to look at because the Torah did not, doesn't have any vowels. It literally just looks like a beep, 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 beep printout of all of these like symbols. And it's like super, super cool. But they say that if you were that any person, like if, you know, if you, if you thought the Bible code was interesting, the Torah is like way more interesting because they say that you could look up like anybody's name in the Torah and you would find the date you were born, the date you were died and the significant event that that your life contributed that altered the course of history. Um, that's what they say, but super, super interesting. Uh, but they say that if you, so the rabbis making copies of the Torah, they said that if you even changed one letter of the Torah, it would alter the course of history for all time. Um, if you want to know more about this, the Isaiah Code by Greg Braden, I love the Grega, um, the Isaiah Code by the by the Greg, <laughs> Greg Braden and his quantum bullet. I love Greg, Greg, Greg Braden is really good friends with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And they've been, you know, at him, Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza have been friends for a really long time. They're all in like the Hay House circuit for, you know, decades, but they make some really cool stuff together. And the interesting thing about the Isaiah Code is that, you know, you could read him talking about upcoming Armageddons, et cetera, you know, well past the timeline that he predicted. And it's just, it's, while it's still a very interesting read, it's always nice to see that just about every teacher goes through this phase where they believe that the apocalypse is inevitable and then they graduate out of the first realm of teachings into the second and I used to feel, feel really bummed that I wasn't famous but now I'm so happy that I didn't get a lot of recognition when I was still in the first level because I could have published some books about Armageddon and now I'm at the second level and, and, and that's just like irrelevant to the mission now so 
Um, so definitely let's get back to, let's get back to the whole Nikki and Megan the Stallion saga because it's been going on. So Nikki, Nikki Minaj had posted this video of her, you know, looking at a comment that one of her, you know, barbs posted about how they had found like Megan the Stallion's mom's grave. And they were like, should we do it? And Nicki Minaj posts this video of being like, should I give the motherfucking word? Like, and it's like, wow, you know, I know this feels like power deploying your fan base to go vandalize someone's mother's grave. But like, when you have black magic active, this seems like such a good idea. You're like, nobody wants to fuck with me. And you're like, girl, you're fucking deranged. Like you're deranged. And it's really like black magic, all religions, all different, everything they have all of it. So it's not like these practices are black magic. Like voodoo is black magic. Like hell no, I've had way worse black magic put on me by like Christian angel witches, you know, talking about angels and demons. Then I've never had black magic put on me. Well, actually a couple of times I've had black magic put on me by people when I'm talking about Ifa. Now I don't have, you know, I don't have any receptivity to that. So, you know, you can do whatever you want, but it's not really going to have any impact on, on me. You know, it's only if you have receptivity to something like that, that it creates a problem. But people would actually really get upset when I spoke about Ifa or spoke about anything Yoruba because they were like, you know, black gods don't talk to white people. And I think it's totally fine to wanna have something that's just for you, but nothing, none of that narrative is coming from people that are actually initiated because there's so many white people that are initiated into these practices. And I know because I've seen tons of these groups. And, you know, if that's, if you want to take that path, you know, you, and dedicate, it's a serious, you know, like your, what's it called? Your, what's it called? Not the Ori. I, it's the, the, the year where you have to wear all white and have your own bowl and your own spoon. And I forget what that year of initiation is called, but it is available for anybody that's willing to devote themselves to that. But it's a serious, it's a, you know, it's definitely not for the faint of, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. And, uh, but I would get so much hate for people and they'd be like, I'm going to put spells on your baby. And I'm like, do you like, this is so deranged. Like what kind of person, like, I know that you're feeling really powerful talking about putting threats on a six month old baby, but like that's fucking Delulu. And that doesn't work anyway, because children have no receptivity to that. It's only if you have the, the deal with black magic is like, according to your fear, be it unto you. It's the, it's the same, same, but opposite of according to your faith, be it unto you. And all both of these, you know, a lot of people get stuck in the swing between black black and white magic and they're both doing the same thing but like in a different way but a black magician um and it's not like I feel weird saying black magician because I've had it a black magician is somebody in any practice who is doing things expressly for more power and more control that's the reason why they're doing everything that they're doing but I've seen a lot of people that have the reputation of being black magicians not that the reputation is true at all that just had no problem going right into the thing that I was the most afraid of to create really profound healing in my life and I'm really grateful to all of the different people that I've sat with that have helped me recognize the things that I was most afraid to face because those were actually my biggest blocks. And I'm always going to be grateful for the people who weren't afraid to, to face the scary. So thank you. Um, 
Intention makes it black or white. Magic is energy. Yeah. And we can be even more specific with that. But the thing is, is that white magic and black magic are not, they're two sides of the same coin. So two sides of the same coin. And I would say that I prefer black magic, people that are most often connotated with black magic to people that are connotated with white, white, white magic, because at least they wear their true colors openly. You know, what I can't stand about white magicians that are straight up doing black magic, but pretending that they're not like this whole concept of like, of of Christian, the whole concept of like Christian black magic drives me so crazy because it's like, we're all going to heaven, but they're going to hell, but they're going to hell. And actually what they're focusing on is not the rewards of heaven. It's the fear of hell. Like there were, if every thought is a prayer, the majority of the thoughts are not going to God. The majority of the thoughts are going to the devil. Like the devil's really got their hold on her. Oh my God, I see the devil's work in the rock music. I see the devil's work in Ariana Grande. I see the devil's work when things don't go my way. Their thoughts are mainly with the devil, only they just can't fucking see it in themselves. And so that's what, and I just can't stand that. I would much rather see somebody straight up call someone out and be like, fuck that bitch right there than be like, I'm praying for it. No, you're fucking not. You're hoping that things go bad. You're hoping that karma is going to come and get her. Like, I can't stand that shit. Oh, it drives me so crazy because I just more, I, I, I want something real more than anything else. You know, I can't stand fake sweet. I can't stand fake nice. I can't stand it when people say respectfully and then drop some fucking bullshit. I can't stand it when... I get this from people all the time, or actually not so much anymore, but I would say a couple of years ago, I was getting this from people all the time, um, either telling me or tagging me that they're, or, or saying even in my comments to someone else, I hope you get the healing you need. That's so stupid. That's so gross. You think we don't know what you're really saying there? I hope you get the healing you need because you're really fucked up. That's the fucking black magic right there. No matter how much you glaze it over with your spiritual talk, that's that fucking black magic right there. You're clearly really fucked up and I'm not. No, you're fucked up. You're fucked up because you cannot just say what you feel. You are so afraid that the real you is going to come out. The real you that wishes bad things on other people and does not hope they get the healing that they deserve. That shit drives me. I cannot stand fake nice. I can handle a slap to the face criticism. I will appreciate it if it's real, but I cannot fucking stand fake spirituality. I cannot stand these long, super rehearsed fucking comments because it's so obvious that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you just took 20 words. I would so much rather someone just be like, I think you're a cunt than have somebody go on for comments and comments. And I'm like, just you obviously need the healing you deserve. I just hope that you get your energy cleared. No, you're a fucking cunt. You are a cunty hook. I hate that shit. I hate that shit. So at least Nikki's serving it up real right now, you know? And maybe I am mad at Megan the Stallion now. Maybe, but when it comes to playing the game of fame, Megan the Stallion is doing it right right now because she's just acting like nothing's happening, which is how 
Nicki Minaj did it when Cardi B threw the shoe at her. She was just like, did not react. I'm going neutral here. I don't know. And then Cardi B, because she wasn't reacting, Cardi B was going even crazier and was like, she said things about how I raised my daughter. And she was just like stone face about it. And I thought that that was really, you know, because it takes a lot to be able to not do anything. When I don't, when I say I don't play with the lower wands, I don't play black, white, and red magic anymore. Gold magic only, baby. A little bit of all of it. Um, but it's so much harder to not do anything than it is to try and swoop in with your preferred method of control. So let's do a little commercial break. Today, it's brought to you by My School Safe House. My School Safe House is a harmony of all of my workshops. When you bundle my workshops together and study with me for one year, you save $4,765 on if you were doing the workshops one by one, but you also get me as your guidance counselor. You get me, I'm like, okay, let's take a look at where you are and where you're going and let's figure out exactly what workshop you need to do first. And then once we've got you enrolled in the workshop that's right for you right now, you get to talk to me in Q&A, which I answer every single Friday. And when it's time for you to be wrapping up one workshop and starting another, we touch base again. We talk about where you need to go. It's, it's spiritual work and business in equal measure. There's really no getting around that. So you either have to have a business or be open to the idea of starting your own income stream. If you are somebody that's like really satisfied working for somebody else, that's totally fine. But just take the spiritual workshops buy them a la carte and don't uh, and do not do the whole year. If you just want to do the spiritual stuff, the best place to look for the spiritual workshops is under the category esoteric on my website, mommyonami.com onwards. So Nicki Minaj dropped this diss track called Bigfoot talking shit about Megan the Stallion's foot. And dude, when I tell, I read the lyrics to this like three times, she is taking every possible dig. Let's pull up, let's unpack the lyrics to Bigfoot by Nicki Minaj. Who's down? Let's see. And she released two versions. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, this wasn't even a good song. Well, she came up with it in 48 hours, but here's what she's saying. Your flow is such a, <laughs> sorry, I can't rap this for you guys. I've actually never listened to the song. It's hard for me to listen to stuff with my kids, but I would definitely do it. But your flow is such a bore drinking a bottle of Henny through a straw. Now, Megan the Stallion got on that whole issue with Tory Lanez after she was really fucked up at Kylie Jenner's house. But also, you know, that's just how you do it some days. She lost both of her parents. I'm not fucking, I'm not judging anybody that uses whatever they can to get out of their emotional pain. And if Nicki Minaj is using Coke to get out of her emotional pain, I know what it's like to do that too. But no amount of alcohol is going to take the emotional pain away. No amount of Coke is going to take the emotional pain away. Nothing. Um, it's still going to be there and you're still going to have to face it. Bitch, you better stop that dialogue before I hit Carl and buy your catalog. Okay. So she's making threats about doing to Taylor. I'm sorry, doing to Megan what Scooter Braun did to Taylor. This is where it's a really big dig. How you fuck your mother man when she die? So this one I had to look up. Now this one, Nicki Minaj might've just been pulling out of fucking pocket because I looked all over, all over the internet for anything about Megan Thee Stallion fucking her mom's boyfriend after her mom died. And look, you know, sometimes we do crazy things after a big trauma like that. Like, don't forget that after Whitney Houston died, Bobby Christina started hooking up with her brother, her stepbrother. So, you know, it's like, 
clinging to the closest thing. Stevie Nicks married her best friend's husband three months after she died. So, you know, it was like, you know, sometimes we just do crazy things, but I wasn't able to find anything about that. And some people are like, she, Nikki's just pulling it out of her ass because that's the thing about propaganda is that, you know, you, there's always got to be a little bit of truth mixed in with the lies so that it has legs so that people can look it up. But I looked this up, you know, everything I could find about Megan the Stallion fucking her mother's mom, her mother's boyfriend after she died. I didn't see anything about that. How you go on Gail King and can't try? Well, this is now a good time to look up what sign is Megan the Stallion. Now, Nicki Minaj is a Sagittarius. Megan the Stallion's an Aquarius. So how do you go on Gail King and not cry? Easy. I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> Easy. I'm an Aquarius. I don't need to do that. <laughs> Wait, shit, where did I put these lines? There we go. Um, but, you know, some people react emotionally to things and other people don't. Bigfoot, but you still a small fry, swearing on your dead mother when you lie. Here we go. This little begging whore talking about Megan's law. For a free beat, you could hit Megan raw. If you're a ghostwriter, because Nikki's big things is that she writes all her own songs, and I'm sure she did. You know, it's obviously coming from her. If you're a ghostwriter, party in Megan's jaw. Shots thrown, but I still ain't let Megan score. Bad bitch, she likes six foot. Now she's making digs at her being six feet tall. That's cool, I think. I call her Bigfoot. Whatever. The bitch fell off. I said, get up on your good foot. So now she's going in for the foot drama. Still ain't topped Red Ruby. And I don't know whose song Red Ruby is. Does anyone know? Tell me who sang Red Ruby. Trying to steal the sauce, I said, get up out my cookbook. I love that. But really, I'm a sweetie pie, P-R-T-T-Y, but I'm P-E-T-T-Y. And I think that it's really cool that Nicki Minaj's official last name is Petty now because she's always been all about the Petty, and I think that's cool. Um, why did you lie about your lipo? Now, everybody lies about plastic surgery because that's just what you do. That's just what you do. And the people that are honest about their plastic surgery, I know, I mean... I, I don't I don't have to know, but I understand why people are like, okay, be honest about be honest about your surgeries. I'll be honest about my surgeries. I haven't had any. I'm the only surgery that I actually think that I would get would be a boob job because I'm just such a boob girl. But when I was trying to explain my mom's boob job to my son, I was like, she's getting like water balloons put in her chest so that her boobs could look bigger. And I was just like, but, but when you say anything, when you slow anything down, it sounds crazy. Like if I said Onami over and over and over again, it would start to, when you close, when you slow it down and repeat the order, but whatever, everybody has a right to look hot. I just think that I'm hot. And I, and I, I feel like, I don't know. I just, I, I just don't like going to the doctors for anything, but if I was going to get surgery, it would 110% be a boob job. I feel like I could handle a huge rack. Oh my God. Cause I've seen it when I've been pregnant and when I've been breastfeeding, huge boobs. Oh, I love it. But that's just not what the natural thing is to me. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my mind. Fucking your best friend's man is crazy. You the type now. Now, Tori, I think, was going out with her best friend who was also there during the shooting. You was lying to the queen and then you went lying to the king, Gail. So I don't know who the queen or the king is. The 30-year-old T is so stale. 
Kylie kicked you out and made you stumble to the car. I mean, we all know that. Barbs, I need a good alcohol bar. So that's cool that she's engaging with her audience like that. Help me write this song. Like a bodybuilder, I keep raising the bar. How the fuck you get shot with no scar? So she's calling, I don't know. Like the rap community has been pretty divided on whether Megan the Stallion is straight up lying. It's like, what did Megan the Stallion have to gain by by putting Tory Lanes behind bars. That's the only thing that I don't really get, but you know, I'm, I guess I just don't know enough about, about it. But this little piggy toxic, somebody adopt it. Shit'll get dark like chocolate. I'm about to get up in your ass, bitch, clench. Ooh. Yeah, sort of like French. So now French Montana has entered the chat. <sighs> they got you all them Grammys, but your flow's still a no. What a fiasco, Lupe. Okay, Lupe fiasco's joined the chat. Future made you pay. I got to know about this. She won a party with baby while rubbing on Tori Toupee. Now, I don't know if you guys follow Toupee Queen on Instagram, but probably one of my new favorite accounts. I say normalize toupees for men. Let them get just, I, I love watching this lady put toupees on men because it's so hard for them to admit that that's like something that they want. But the amount of confidence that you see come into their face and, the, and she's raking it the fuck up. Like good for her. She's like, I'm going to double down on this toupee game. And the toupee game is a big thing because if you're going to wear a toupee. You have to shave your head to be able to receive the toupee. So you're making a commitment to more toupee but she does such a good job of it but seeing the delight on these men it just brings me so much pleasure and I'm like she fucking nailed it hell fucking yeah bring something new to that hair game definitely follow toupee queen on 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 Instagram I love it it's one of my favorite accounts I guess she needed money bags for them Trey songs she g easy okay so fucking g easy Carl made her crawl for it. Now, Carl is something to do with their record label. Why the fuck they poke the monster? Fucking with Nikki this year. How oh, I'm coming like a porn star. She's just mad that no nigga ever loved her. No one's going to stand 10 toes behind her. Is it my fault I got a good vagina? I'm sure you do. Um, but it's true. Like she, like, she, Megan the Stallion, that was a big move to take Tory, to take Tory Lanes to court. And she's going to, you know, that's going to be something that, I, it was obviously really important to her, whatever it was, you know, because the rap community was super fucking divided about it. And it's true. She might have a hard time getting some of these other rappers to stand behind her. I'm not really sure which, you know, not that it matters, but I'm not really sure like what round of the male rappers are on team Megan the Stallion. But I know that Nikki's got tons of these guys. She's just been around for a lot longer. She's been, and I think that Nicki Minaj gets really threatened by like the new guards. She was super threatened by Cardi B. Um, super threatened by Cardi B. We'll look at her birth chart after this. Um, but also I think that Megan is really challenging for her as well. Why the fuck is you humping on a minor? So that's something I also looked up. I couldn't, does anyone know anything about Megan the Stallion fucking minors? I was like, I mean, when I was 15, I was dating a 30 year old and still like, I'm pretty good about like, you know, my trauma work. 
And when I look back on this situation, you know, it's like, okay, you know, what, <laughs> what business does a 30 year old have with a 15 year old? But I was all about pursuing that relationship because I liked older guys and I wanted someone that could drive and I wanted someone that could buy me alcohol. And I went and we actually never even had sex. So good for him for never even trying to do that. We made out and like everything else. And he was, you know, you're so mature for your age. And you know what? I was pretty fucking mature for my age because I moved out of home when I was 13. So <laughs> You know, like I definitely was busy, but, uh, but I was very happy to be in that relationship honk here in the comments. So the, it's uh Nicki Minaj's diss track called Bigfoot. And she said that if Megan the stallion didn't apologize that she was going to re release another one, but she actually hasn't so far. Um, I can definitely refresh my TMZ and see if that launched, but honk at the comments or let me know in the comments, if you'd ever dated somebody much older than you, when you were younger and looking back on it, you're still not like bummed about it. We talked about Chris Jenner in the last episode and Chris Jenner was not bummed that she was dating an older, you know, golfer when she was like 30, he was 35, she was 17. I was stoked about that. And then I, I always dated guys that were a lot young, that were a lot older than me. That my husband is the closest in age that I've ever dated anyone to me. And I, I liked having somebody in my life that could just kind of do the driving. Um, I'm very, I'm very dominant. And so dominance is all about control. Dominance is about taking a lot of responsibility in every situation. Um, so in my relationships, I like to be with somebody that I can really surrender to. My husband's very chill, but we're exploring more. Uh, we're, we're on our second round of erotic wealth. So the first round of erotic wealth for us was all about rebalancing the hierarchy. We had a full on matriarchy, which sucked matriarchy is not fun it's not the antidote to the patriarchy so we went from a matriarchy to a familyarchy where now he and I both pull equally and the business is out it's not that I'm the boss of him and the kids it's that the business and the kids are the boss of him and I so it used to be like if we were to look at it on a triangle I would be up top my husband would be passive and it was all happening for the business but now we have the business and the kids up on top it's always returning to the business and the kids my husband's still passive I'm still active but it's equal and I'm not the boss of all of us so it's super nice what about dating younger people I mean I don't know like a 30 year old that I was with obviously I had no problem with it it's nice being with younger people because they're less likely to question you and this actually happens a lot when people are fucking their gurus because the guru can be like oh you know i'm spiritually more advanced anything that you feel anything that you can you think is just you know kind of irrelevant because i'm older and wiser than you that's the only thing that's a pain in the ass and i noticed that a lot of my older boyfriends dated super much younger girls before me because you know they they just don't question you know, they're, they don't question your quality of life. They don't question the fact that you're 35 and doing fucking nothing. Like my husband dated younger women before me. I think his girlfriend before me was like 22 or something like that, you know, but my husband's Scorpio. Uh, my husband's a Scorpio. So if they're beautiful, you know, he's like, whatever. But although he did go through this phase where he thought that it was like unspiritual to date beautiful women and that he needed to like date whoever wanted to be with him. And this is not a diss, but when I first, when I first uh, looked at my husband's Instagram, which was after we had been together for a while and I scrolled back, there was like an era on his Instagram, seeing like the different girlfriends where I was just like, I think it's, I, and I genuinely felt this from the bottom of my heart. I think that it's really cool that he doesn't care about looks like, cause my husband's super good looking, but I was like, wow, he obviously just doesn't care about looks at all. And I think that that's really, you know, that's really cool of him. But, uh, 
he, yeah, it's totally safe to be attracted to who you're attracted to. It's totally safe to be like, look, I, I remember my older sister is disabled. And when she told me one time that she's not into ugly guys, just because she has like deformities, it was like a may, I just felt like the world was so fucking unfair. I just felt like ugly people were attracted to each other. And that's how the whole world like balanced everything out. I, I literally, it had never crossed, it had never crossed my mind. I did not know that. I was like, holy shit. And I felt like the world was really unfair for a while as a result. But now I understand that everything has its right place and that there is a balance to all things. And I actually really trust and rely on that. Um, but yeah, I guess everything, you know, there's a safe way to express every kink as well. Like the kink that gets the most, you know, a lot of people are really afraid to explore kink because they're like, oh my God, you know, what if I become a pedophile? Like, and we live in a society where, where you're such a sexual society, porn just being pumped out like fucking crazy. And porn is like, are you into this? You're, you're only ever interested in the taboo. So when something, you know, when you first see porn, the whole concept of porn is taboo, but when you're really used to it, it takes you a lot more to, to get excited. And you just kind of go deeper and deeper into the taboo of it all. And just because you watch some shit doesn't mean that you're into it, but if it's off limits, you're always going to be into it. And when you're in like a porn world where nothing is off limits, things can get really confusing for you. And, and, and confusing is not is is not really where you want to be it can lead to a lot of problems psychological problems a lot of shame definitely problems in, in relation to earning and pleasure and all of that you can make a real mess out of things down there um but no mess is too big to clean up and even if you've watched some really even if you've jerked up jerked jerked up even if you've jerked off to some really fucked up things in your life like understand that that's only partially your fault like we're a lot of tests being, you know, there's people are very easy to manipulate when you have them by the balls. And the concept of the erotic has been scrubbed out of society. And when you don't understand what the erotic is or how to define it, and you're trying to categorize it as either being something like worldly and material or sacred and spiritual, you're going to see it as being worldly and material and you're going to repress it. And when you repress it, you're, it only grows bigger and you start to believe that you're a lot more fucked up than you are. It's very easy to clean this stuff up, but you have to be willing to admit, admit that there, there is some stuff that you want to clean up, that you want to have more pleasure in your life, that you want to have a better relationship to sex and all of that. And it took me a really long time to do that. And then it took me even longer to find somebody who could teach it. So I don't care of all of the workshops that I teach, like the ones that I'm the most passionate about are the ones that are the hardest to talk about online because of the amount of censorship. But that's why I have my own app, you guys. And if you want to learn more about this, my book, The Complete Guide to Sexual Magic is available on audiobook and regular book. Just get my app, head to my app is called Safe House Global on the App Store. Very easy to find also on the Play Store. Go there, go to Discover, get a free account, and you'll be in like Flynn, whoever the fuck Flynn is. Lying on your dead mama. Oh, but yeah, there is a healthy way to express every single kink. And people are like, what about pedophilia? There are a lot of adults that look like children that also want to do age play. It's about the energy of it. If you guys read The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene, they talk about, he talks about this seduction type called the natural. And it's not so much about children. It's about the, the perceived experience of not just innocence, but also brattiness, temperamental inherently narcissistic in your old world defiant pouty they don't just want one side of it you know like baby doll it's this whole it's being 
it's it's feeling like you could get back for a second something that you either lost, gave away, or had stolen from you, feeling like you could get it back for that minute. We can talk more about this in another episode because I could really, once we start launching Erotic Wealth, which will probably be in June, like we'll have a lot of conversations about this. But considering that I'm banned from TikTok Live just for talking about how I'm not a fan of Joe, jo- Joe Jonas, <laughs> and I have to watch my, my words a little bit. So, so as far as I know, Nicki Minaj didn't launch another diss track, but like I'm more than happy to look this up right now. Nicki diss track, was there a part two? Nope, nope, nope. That was it three days ago. So she said that she she was like either a public apology for Megan the Stallion or I'm releasing another one. And this whole like, ooh, you know, you don't want me to release a second one, but I don't think there was ever a second one. And people aren't scared of you anymore, Nicki Minaj. And Nicki Minaj has lost a lot of credibility with her audience where they're like, I'm not a fucking barb anymore because there's plenty of room at the top, but Nicki Minaj feels very threatened, you know? It seems like she feels very threatened. She was born in 1982. I'm born in 1987. I don't know how old I am. I'm either 36 or 37. But if Nicki Minaj is five years older than me, you know, maybe she just feels, you know, maybe she feels threatened. But let's take a look at Nicki Minaj's chart over here. So Nicki Minaj, who is you? Nicki Minaj is a 6'2". So I get it. (laughs) Nicki Minaj is a 6'2 manifesting generator. And the manifesting generator, I need a sip of coffee for this one. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. In your opinion, what do you think? Oludumari, ashe. In your opinion, what do you think about people bringing up dead people and or talking bad about dead people? Low blow, you know, low blow. And I, you know what else? The same with talking about people's kids, either their dead ancestors. So, you know, it's like, it's like hitting the people closest to them. You know, it's like, just be fucking hit me in my face, bitch. Don't come for my fucking kids. Don't come for my ancestors. Low blow. Like when Kim Kardashian said to Quinny, well, your kids seem worried about you. Low fucking blow. Low blow. But at least Kim knew on the show, she was like, I went there. Yeah, that's a fucking low blow. That's dirty. That's fucking lame. Like stop bringing up, you don't know shit about her dead mom. You know, why are you, oh, I'm sorry, Nicki Minaj. Are you bringing credibility to fucking Megan the Stallion's mom? Are you like lifting her ancestry? Just fucking low blow, I think. And I don't have, like, I'm the only child between my mom and my biological dad. I mean, there's 11 in my family, but I didn't know that I had a different dad until I was a little bit older. So the whole, like, I used to feel really passionately about like ancestry and stuff like that because I thought that like the rest of my family that I was Scottish and that this was a family tradition and that we were, you know, living in a cult outside of anyway. But I used to feel pretty identified with the sense of ancestry. And then when I realized that it didn't have anything to do with my actual DNA, I like cared a lot less. Um, I really, I, I speak to my great grandmother on my mom's side and my grandmother on my mom's side, who I was real close to, uh, But other than that, like, I know that ancestors are a really big part of uh, like the Yoruba practice. And it's always anytime I meet with a a priest, they're always telling me about connecting with my ancestors. And I'm like, yeah, I just like don't really know very many. I don't really know very many of them. And I try and do the best that I have with the ones that I have now. But we learned I really wanted to make a workshop a while ago called Indigenous God. Like what is the trying to 
there is like one God at the core of all things. But when it comes to religions and spiritual practices, like nothing is ever really going to fit you exactly if it's not coming for you. Like you can learn a lot of things from all of these other traditions, like for sure. But there's a, so for example, if we look at like Hinduism and vegetarianism, let's say that you're, you know, let's say that you're Mexican, but you're really, really into yoga and you like really identify super strongly with the Hinduism beliefs. Well, they're like, pretty adamant in the yoga community about vegetarian and always bring the information to back, you know, back it up. Like if we were meant to eat meat, then we would have teeth that were like this, you know, but like for an Inuit that eat mainly meat raw, you know, it's like, well, we got fucking teeth like this too, but what are you going to be telling me that I should be eating vegetables in the fucking Arctic tundra? Like, no, this is not how we evolved. And, you know, all of these things that make sense for you on like an epigenetic level that makes sense for you culturally, like nothing is ever really going to fit you exactly. And I, I would really recommend if you've never looked up your ancestry, which is something that I didn't want to do because 23 and me really sussed me out, but my husband wanted to do it. Um, so I got it for him for his birthday. And we found out that he and I are basically made up, you know, we're like 90 something percent Irish, a little bit of English, a little bit of Scottish, just white, 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 <laughs> just white, white, white. But uh, when we looked into that and we were really thinking about, well, what is our hair? What's our indigenous God? Like, because we weren't, our people weren't Christians. The crusade, the Christian crusaders came in and fucking drove the snakes out of Ireland as well. But like, we were pagans, you know, we were pagans. And I love seeing the parallels between like the Drees or Druids as some people say, but like the Drees and the Native American practices, because they were really similar in the sense that there like was no book. It was very specific. So it wasn't like the water, you know, like, like, for example, in the fathers, like the Odisha, you know, you have Oshun, which is sweet water and Yamaya, which is salt water. Um, but in like Native American and also Dree traditions, it was like, well, this specific waterfall is its own entity and this tree is its own entity. And it kind of reminds me as well of like Shinto, there can be like little special gods in all of these different places, like places, but there was no rule book. You had to listen to nature and, and follow it. But nothing is ever really going to fit you exactly. And white people are pretty like spiritually or not. Uh, I don't want to say spiritually. I want to say ritually when it comes to the role of ritual in your day to day life, which was a big part of Joseph Campbell's mission. We're pretty like malnourished in that sense. And when you're malnourished, you'll go looking for food off of everybody else's table. And and I really understand that. Like I really wanted like I really felt like if there was one practice I could devote myself to, it would have been Ifa 100%. I learned like during my year spent really working with that priestess, I, my whole life changed. My whole life changed. It was the first time that I ever felt like I was in a conversation with the divine and not like having these desperate moments once a year where I might be able to hear a little something. It was the first time I actually felt like I had entered a dialogue with the divine and I'm always going to be so... I. I really, really cried when it was time for me to leave Austin and I had to empty my little jars and my little, you know, my sacred vases and stuff. I was really, I really cried. That was such a pivotal moment in my life, but it was never going to fit me. I'll always love it. I'll always have so much appreciation for it. And it's not that like only, you know, like you have to be African to practice Yoruba, but it's going to fit them it's going to fit them better. And I think it's okay to have something that's just for you. And I think it's okay to really love all of these other practices, but it's, 
it's never going to fit you. And I, I, I guess I didn't really understand this until I started working with a tantric teacher named Robert Svoboda, who's, what was his guru's name? Vimalanda. Um, and he was talking about this and, and comparing it to some stuff that Jung had written is it, just, you know, what it means to be really malnourished when it comes to the ritual and, and wanting to and wanting more. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about teaching off of an Enneagram and, and pulling all the different lineages into it and being like, well, let's look at let's look at results like through this lens, because a symbol is not inherent. You know, the Sufis use the Enneagram a lot, but it's not a Sufi symbol, just like the pentagram is not like a Wiccan symbol, like these are sacred so or even you know the yin yang is not exclusively Taoist or the swastika isn't you know world war ii like these symbols have been speaking for a really long time and i think that it was really comforting to me to be able to just look at all of these different practices through a unified lens and but also learning a little bit more about my ancestry and and what is where i actually come from Cause I'm the type of person that doesn't have a rule book. And I mean, you know, I know that people go to like Dree school and stuff like that, but traditionally from the get go, it was, it was not something that was, you know, written down. It was something that was experienced and the true teachings are only things that can be experienced. No amount of reading the Tao Te Ching over and over is going to cause the Tao to reveal itself to you. It's like what they say in the beginning of the Tao Te Ching, the way that can be named is not the way. Like if you can write it, it's not the way. Um, as a person who has multicultural DNA, I'm pagan. I listen to nature, many symbols and symbols. I love that. Yeah, I used to tell people I'm like a spiritual sizzler. You get a little bit of everything with me. But that's why the fourth way was like a really comforting lineage for me because it's really all of it. There's not a lot of love in the fourth way. I definitely recommend supplementing it with something that like is like, look, you can't calculate your way to freedom, but you can get pretty damn close with the fourth way. You know, if you're like, can we just do this without talking about God and without talking about love? Like, yeah, you can with the fourth way but you will hit a wall. And I really recommend for people to like really deeply research how life looked for a lot of the most devoted fourth way disciples, because a lot of them learned so much and their lives totally changed as a result of their time spent with Gurdjieff. But almost all of them realized that they hit a point where they just could not continue to grow in the same room as him. And, uh, and, and because there was just never, you just never got the love. There was never, it, there was always this like degree of, of separation. And a lot of the people that talk like the most, um, with the most love about Gurdjieff were people that met him that didn't actually get to work with him for that long that met him much later in his life and maybe got to spend like a total of like five to seven years in his tutelage before he died but the fourth way is a real and you know that's what we teach in my workshop mesoterica and school of unified spiritual laws it backbones a lot of what I teach because we're able to talk about what all of these different religions and practices have in common through this like more, you know, kind of grounded mathematical lens that doesn't require faith. It's not a theology, you know, you don't have to have faith in any person or, or anything. It's just like, let's, let's go to these psychological vantage points and look at ourselves in a way that we're never going to be able to forget. And, uh, and yeah, I love it. So in my opinion, earthly, it shouldn't matter what a person says about the dead. They've already done their job. Yeah. And I, you know, I definitely don't think it impacts the ancestors at all. I don't even think that like the paletas that have to exhume people for their cauldrons. I don't even think that those dead people, you know, I don't think that it means, I don't think that it's doing anything with the dead person's bones. I've always felt like, you know, that once you're gone, you're gone. Um, but I just feel like it's a low blow for somebody to take on the earth planks. It's like, girl, shut up. Find something real, you know, like, 
you don't even have the fucking, you don't even have the content for the part two of this track. If you're making, if you have what's fucking four lines digging at fucking Megan the Stallion's dead mom, like you definitely don't, you're, you, if you need the barbs to write a bar about alcohol for you, like you don't have the content for the second draft. I don't think there was ever a second. I don't think that there was ever a second draft. Um, but that's the thing about setting that black magic active is that it always ends up creating an adverse reaction where it's like everyone can see that like you're not really in your power right now. But just I have three more minutes. So we'll close this out looking at Nicki Minaj's chart. Well, she's got a defined throat. So, you know, definitely <laughs> the words are not a problem for Madame here. She's got emotional definition. So that 48 hours of just chaos makes a lot of sense to me. It, all, it probably hit her when it was already a bad time. And it was like, okay, this is going to be the scapegoat for all of these different things. She has interesting. She also has the same. Uh, I thought it was interesting that when she was doing her live, it was one of those lives where like the camera wasn't pointed on her at all. Um, she has this 1222, the design, the uh, channel of the open being a manifested channel, um, the channel of the, of the social being where you really have to decide if you want to be social or not. And it seems like Nicki Minaj was not in the mood. She's like, why you poke the bear? This is a great analogy. The bear in the den did not want to be social. We had the hermit line hermiting was probably already a fucking bad time for Nikki. She was like, do not fucking piss me off today, bitches. But then it landed, it hit. And she's like, and now I got to go for the fucking jugular. And she was pissed. Nicki Minaj has such an interesting chart as well. While I'm here, I have to look at what her, uh, oh, she's open taste. Perfect for her. I feel like I can see, uh, perfect for her. We talked on, if you guys look at the human design, um, playlist on my Instagram. Also on my TikTok, we talk about all of the different ways that people are here to eat based on their human design. And I think that that's really interesting, but something that I wanted to look at for, uh, let me see, what was I looking at with, oh, I wanted to look at Nicki Minaj's culture. So basically what is on brand for Nicki Minaj's, what is on brand for Nicki Minaj's fan base? So your culture, it, you know, if we think about it in the term of like a sourdough culture, if Nicki Minaj is the wild yeast that creates a fermentation that then everywhere that ferment goes, it can, it, it creates more of that fermentation. So what is the, what is the energy that's coming off of Nicki Minaj that creates the whole culture of the barbs? And is that currently on brand or not? We can find out what your culture is. And the culture is, uh, is, is one part of it's I'm using the mudra of the triangle here but it's actually like a four-part thing in the gene keys called the pearl which is like how you make money it's like what is your vocation what is your culture what is your messaging and what is your ability to make money we go over this in my workshop fuck list but we're looking at the unconscious jupiter right now which for Nicki minaj is gate 44 so we can objectively look at what and and everybody that does you know human design in my workshop when it comes to the gates i don't fucking know you guys i don't even know how many gates there are but i'm pretty sure there's like 65 I don't recall ever seeing like a gate 70 or a gate 80. I'm thinking, or maybe, you know, I don't, let me look at Nicki Minaj's chart and just see, oh, where did we go? Um, 58 is probably the highest that I've ever heard. I'll ask my friend Juju. I see a 69 over here. I see a 60. Okay. So there's at least 60 gates. I have no idea. I have no idea um, how many 
um, gates there actually are, but it's too many for me to remember. So I just go and look these up. And my favorite way to look this up is on a Christy Inga's thing. So on the positive end, so this is Nicki Minaj's culture. And you guys, you guys decide with me if it sounds like things are on brand for the barbs right now or off brand. If they're talking about defacing Megan the Stallion's fucking mom's grave, I would love to say that that's off brand, but there is no book of right or wrong. Therefore, something that would be really wrong for me could be really right or what we say in fuckless really on brand for the barbs. So gate 44 on the positive end of the spectrum, human design gate 44 is the energy for practicing forgiveness and learning for mistakes. So it would be on brand if gate 44 was expressing itself on the positive end of the spectrum. Now, do we want to say that the barbs are demonstrating practicing forgiveness and learning from mistakes right now? Hmm, I don't know. Gate 44 has a deep and primal knowing that every moment, including memory, holds the potential for healing and transformation. And look, She's a six line, but she's, but she's not, you know, the six line spends the first 30 years of its life learning by trial and error, AKA living as a three line. I'm a six, three. So it's my whole entire life learning by trial and error, public mistakes all of the time. Um, but after age 30 or after your Saturn return, you experience a, a state of being called being on the roof, which means that you're ideally have been able to learn from those mistakes and don't keep making them. Um, but with gate 44's knowing it can guide others, AKA the barbs to break painful patterns from the past. And it uses those patterns as a way to learn, grow, and most importantly, forgive. And when I'm hearing all of this, I'm really thinking about lemonade. Um, you know, forgiveness is one of the most important tools that you learn in level one. Forgiveness is the only thing that allows you to like, accept that your past was the way that it was. And there is no changing it. There's only changing the way that you feel about it. It helps you understand that you can break any dramatic pattern, any painful pattern in your life without anyone else's blessing, cooperation, or consent. You can just do it on your own and you can do it for you. It's really, really empowering, especially if you felt like, like other people kind of control the happiness with which you get to live your life. But on the negative end of the spectrum, and this would be gate 44 off brand, human design gate 44 is the energy of being afraid to repeat mistakes from the past and using those mistakes as a reason to not move forward. So for some kind of reason, it's like, no, I cannot let this thing go. No ways. This internal resistance, there's no ability to be like, have I done something like this before? And did I, because remember like how I was saying, you know, do you like how it makes you feel? Sometimes you're like, yes, I do. And it's like, yeah, but do you like how it makes you feel after? words because sometimes the instant gratification is like the biggest clam block to the actual joy that we want to have in our life and it gets confusing I get it this internal resistance to the mistakes of the past actually prevents the ability to transform learn and grow and I feel like it's really slapping Nikki in the face right now so would you guys say that the barbs are on brand right now that Nikki Minaj's culture is on brand right now or off brand right now I'm gonna leave it to you but this is definitely gonna be what I make my TikTok about later most important thing is to raise the frequency of gate 44 to be curious and compassionate about the mistakes you've made in the past and see what you can learn from them. 
And I think that that's really like, you know, especially for Nicki Minaj as a sixth line is being curious and compassionate about the mistakes that you've made in the past. Like it's okay to make mistakes. And I love that I've heard my kids say this so much recently, mommy, it's okay to make mistakes. Like I'm so happy that this is becoming a part of our family culture. Um, yeah. So I'm really, I'm really interested in uh, that. I'm just going to read a couple comments here and then we're going to go lolly, lolly, lolly. Um, the things celebrities do to distract us from what's real in life when Nikki and Megan are probably good friends behind the scenes. You know, I used to have like a very, you know, the pageantry of it all. I was very uh, skeptical about I was very, very skeptical about celebrity and, you know, like, what are they hiding and what dark secrets are going on? And then when I realized that I actually did very much want to be famous, accepting you want something is the first step to getting it. And there's a lot of people that's like, why are you want to be famous? Like not everybody does, but accepting that you do want to be famous is a really big first step and, and healing your story with fame and, and starting to remove the aspects of your belief system that are telling you that in order to be famous, you have to be a horror person or that there's nothing about it that's true and there's nobody that's authentic in the celebrity world and they're all doing blood rituals and that all this stuff is happening behind the scenes you can't prove any of that so ultimately it's just coming down to like what you believe and sometimes what we've chosen to believe is the single biggest block that prevents us from getting what it is that we want so in any moment, it's safe to get still and really think about what you want and try to remove the, the you know, the barriers that you have that are that are preventing you from just wanting what you want. To quote um, the poem Wild Geese by Mary Oliver, she says, you don't you do not have to be good. Like you don't have to be good. There's no such thing as good. She says, you do not have to crawl on your knees in the desert for hundreds of miles repenting. You do not have to spend your future trying to escape your past. She says, all you have to do is let the soft animal of your body want what it wants. And what I love about that is that like, you're an animal, I'm an animal, we're all animals. And all you have to do is just want the damn thing that you want. It's okay, it's okay. But all of these things that we give ourselves that are like, we can't want this. This is bad. This is not good. You're not allowed to. We couldn't possibly have this, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, how could you just let the soft animal of your body want what it wants? And actually, the the I'm looking at the poem right now. It says, love what it loves. And she says, tell me about despair yours, and I will tell you mine. We could go back and forth all day long, baby talking about our problems. But meanwhile, the world goes on. We could talk all day long about what's really going on with celebrities. Meanwhile, the celebrities are celebritying, and they don't seem like they're all that miserable in their life. Sure, some of them do. Others seem to be thriving. Others seem to be loving it. Chloe Sevigny seemed to, seems to have had such a fun time being a celebrity. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes. The world is moving, honey. It doesn't matter if you're going to accept what you want or not. The world will keep turning. But the thing is, is that you could have anything. And if you don't have to be good, and if you don't have to say sorry for every fucking thing that you've ever done in your life, and you're just like, yeah, making a mistakes is part of it. Like, you can be a part of this flow. 
Over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers, meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination and you can choose what you want to imagine about the world. The world offers itself to your imagination. By any chance, do you want to be famous? And by any chance are your imaginations of what is going on in the celebrity world preventing you from being able to want that fully? It calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. So what if there was a place in the world with your name on it that was exactly where you most wanted to be, but you could not admit to yourself that that's something that you really wanted? And could we make our homework between this Thursday and the next to be looking for and giving yourself permission to want what you want more deeply without worrying about how your ancestors will feel about it or your peers or what people will say about you or the rituals you're afraid that you might be invited to attend if you were to just stand up and share your truth for one fucking moment. Could we give ourselves the homework from this week to the next to let ourselves want something a little bit more deeply and maybe try and investigate what it is that we've been really wanting this whole time that we've been so afraid to ask for. So afraid to ask because, you know, we're like, maybe we'll be rejected. So we cover it up with all of these belief systems. But a belief is just a thought that you keep thinking over and over. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's not an immutable law. It's just a thought that's been on repeat in your head for so long. And it's never too late to think a new thought. So with that, we're going to wrap the intuitor. I had so much fun being here today. Wasn't expecting to talk about Megan and Nikki this whole time, but we did have this wonderful segue into talking about black, white, and red magic and propaganda, which means that this is a really good time for me to record the intro to this thing. Let me put my voice memos on you guys here. It's always easier for me to record this when you guys are here. Thank you guys for showing up to The Intuitor. On this episode, we talked all about the Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj drama. But not only that, what happens when your blocks and your husband's blocks have become the same thing standing in your way? And what's the deal with propaganda? How did it start? Oh, wait, it started from Freud? Does this have something to do with Nicki Minaj? Does this have something to do with Megan Thee Stallion? Does this have something to do with you? The sizzle is so real only on The Intuiter. Yes, you guys. Thank you very much. Love you guys so much. See you next time, only on The Intuiter. Bye. Bye, everyone.